Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. Man, do we have a plethora of Raiders to talk about today. And to have that conversation, we talked with one of my best friends on planet Earth. We've been doing this now for, man, I, I keep forgetting, Matt, but isn't it like 14 years, 12 years? How long has this been? Um, It's at least, I think, 12 uh I think it started a year before Rutgers joined the Big Ten. Yep, 2011, I think. So I think it's 12 years, yeah. Jiminy Christmas. And it's been a wonderful ride having him with us. He's a national writer at thespun.com. It's a, it's a website that you really should put in your favorites. I read it every single day. It's kind of a, if I had to describe it, it is a pop culture meets sports and what i mean by that is it, it's it's everything sport every sport you can imagine if it's something that happens that will get into the pop culture uh discussion they cover it's really kind of cool but he's a better guy and he's a very dear friend the great matt Halatic. first merry christmas to you and all of our listeners it's great to have you with us today my friend merry christmas to everybody out there in raider nation you know i love Love Vegas. I'm a I'm, Michigan is my home where I'm from. But Christmas in the Big Apple, you just can't beat it. Rockefeller Center with the Rockettes, the ice skating, the Christmas trees, the city. I I I am not a big New York fan, but give me New York at Christmas time, and I'm just a happy camper. It really does transform into. You know, winter wonderland. I know as corny as that sounds, but it really is a different True. vibe, a different yep. um just everything around the city around this time of year. It's awesome. Shannon and I always like to fly to the Big Apple for a couple of days. Can't do it this year, but rent a carriage, go through Times Square. It's just romantic. It's fun. It's a good time. So anyway, and then the best part for me is I get to see this guy. And when you get to see one of your best friends on planet Earth, it's a good day. All right, let's dig into the Raiders now. Nobody likes a late bye week. <laughs> in fact, in all my years of covering, I've never heard anyone say they like one. However, it worked out pretty good for the Raiders, who were banged up and beat up, who needed the help. Great, great time for the Raiders to get a bye week last week. Yeah, like you said, I agree. Ideally, you, you don't want your bye to be too early or too late in the season uh, when you see the schedule when it comes out. Um, but there are times when it can be advantageous if it is a little bit later, uh, especially if you're either slumping or you're a little banged up and the Raiders have been banged up. You know, coming off two losses, no shame on those two losses. They were expected to lose to Miami and Kansas City. But, you know, you have five games left. You're trying to finish the year strong under Antonio Pierce. I think this is also a good opportunity for him to have his first bye week as an interim coach and use that time to work with his team and really kind of cement, you know, his vision and what he wants for the rest of the season. And also to state his case more about how he built things uh, going into the offseason and next year, if he's made the permanent head coach. So I do think this, this bye week, while not ideal, you know, you know, if you're building the ideal schedule from scratch did help the Raiders with what had happened. Mark Davis is not going to hire Antonio Pierce based on what you or I think or any other media. He could care less. Um, and, and I'm not saying he should, by the way. We're not 
a, gr- a couple of guys that feel like we're entitled to our opinion being more than what it is. But there is a groundswell of support around the National Football League, players, former players, executives, for AP. This is a guy that's universally respected, universally loved. It's kind of cool to see this groundswell, and if he continues to win, and I think they're going to win Sunday, and then beat the Bolts four days later, I think the groundswell could turn into a tsunami. Your thoughts? I agree, especially if they they do rip off these next two wins. I think that, and I believe I said this on our last podcast, um, you know, I'm not there watching and, and observing and talking to people every day like you are, but looking at it from a bird's eye view, to me, if Mark Davis has a name in mind that or names in mind that are proven long-term guys, you know, that have been coaches successful in the NFL um, or big coaches successful anywhere, and he wants to get them, he believes he can get them, then I understand going and hiring those people. But here's the thing. If he's just starting from scratch with this coaching search or, you know, wanting to cast a wide net, so to speak, I would look really hard and long at keeping Antonio Pierce if things continue to trend well towards the end of the season, because I mean, you might as well take a chance on a guy who's been in your building, who's worked with your players, you know what his philosophies are, you know what his beliefs are, you know how he's going to conduct business, um, as opposed to going outside of uh, of that for something unproven. Now, to be fair, when he hired, um, well, actually, I take that back. Because look at the last time, you know, he hired Josh McDaniels, who he believed was going to be an upgrade. And you had said he had his reputation from Denver. Now, you had said he improved from some of the negatives from Denver and, and things like that. He wasn't the same guy, but the results were the same. So, yeah. and it, this was with the groundswell of support for Rich Passaccia. Now, listen, again, Rich Passaccia replaced John Gruden. John Gruden was a guy who had won with the Raiders, won at the NFL level, and Mark Davis felt comfortable with giving the reins of the franchise. If there's someone like that out there this offseason, by all means, go hire him. If not, I think you got to take a look at Antonio Pierce. It's going to be fascinating to me. As you know, um, former college football great, NFL great, Braylon Edwards was on my show uh, earlier this week, Tuesday. He was phenomenal, Matt. And I, you know this because you and I are friends privately. He and I are very close friends privately. And and um, he knows AP super well. And he was just sharing. He shared with me along the way how he always thought AP would be a head coach. And on the show, he talked about it. But the, the thing that I think Mark Davis needs to be thinking about is – this is going to define his legacy this higher. And up to now, you could say, didn't have the money in Oakland, didn't have the stadium, didn't have the facilities. All those things are true, and all of them hurt the Raiders. None of them are true now. Best stadium in the NFL, best training facility in the NFL, um, flushed with cash, nearly $7 billion value valuation. They're flushed with cash. Now, it's just win. There are no excuses. I mean, you could come up with legitimate excuses, and we're not getting political. 
But there were free agents that didn't want to sign with the Raiders before because of the taxes in California. It was a significant raise to go to. I, I know free agents that didn't want to sign with them because, and the Rams, because if they go to a state with less or no income tax, it's a humongous raise. Facilities in Oakland, terrible. The, the stadium was terrible. The training facility was terrible. Horrible. Guys, not one. I mean, there are none of those excuses. You couldn't give the contracts that other teams could because you didn't have the cash. That's not an excuse anymore. There are no excuses. And and you have a franchise. Its motto is just win, baby. You've already turned on Rich. Not turned, but didn't hire Rich when your players wanted them. You want your franchise to be something where the players matter. And it does to the Raiders. It doesn't at most places, but it does with the Raiders. If AP continues to win and that groundswell continues, you're in a legacy-defining. And if you go out and hire another guy, let's say that AP gets his team to nine wins. I don't think he's going to get them to ten. He could. Gets them to nine or eight wins. And everybody wants AP, and you don't hire AP, and that next coach fails, which is a very good chance they will. If you hire AP and AP fails, then your legacy is, listen, I listened to my players. Now I'm going to go back and get another guy. It buys you more time. If you go get another guy and ignore him, this will define. I don't care if you fire him after two. It doesn't matter. Your legacy is going to be, you didn't listen to your players twice. You had two coaches that took you to the playoffs. You fired them. It, it's Where am I wrong? I'm trying to be fair. No, I agree. I think that. If there is a – and listen, you don't want to always listen to your fan base and you don't want to listen to your players on everything. You, you can't let them run or dictate things. But you have to take that into account. I think especially if you have players vouching for an interim coach like that and you believe independent of what they're saying and what you're seeing on the field, you believe from interacting and observing him that he has what it takes to do the job full time. If that's the case – and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna finish with eight wins. We'll get to predictions later on, I'm sure. But I think they're gonna finish eight and nine. So I think he's gonna finish pretty well down the stretch here. That would put him at five and four, I think, as a head coach interim, because he's two and yeah. two so far. So I think it would put him doing a pretty nice job overall. Um, I, I, to me, I think if that's if that's what happens, I think you really have to think about hiring him long term. Uh, unless you have something that is really a can't miss out there, um, because like you said, if you go with something that you and you have conviction on, and it doesn't work, you know, if you go and hire, you know, the next hot shot up and coming assistant, or you hire some guy, you know, a guy who from another team who's maybe coached before but hasn't been over overly successful, like a Josh McDaniels, but you think it's going to work in, in Vegas and it doesn't then you're really going to be behind the eight ball more with your fan base. Prior to the trade deadline, the Raiders rule of thumb was we would not trade Max Crosby for anything in the world. And they shouldn't. He is a, a, I think, and please hear me out. I think he has the chance to be one of the greatest all-time Raiders of all time. He has the work ethic, the commitment to his body um, to keep himself. I mean, there's some great Raiders who didn't take care of themselves, who probably could have played a little bit longer. 
He's got, I mean, Matt, this guy's amazing. He has a work ethic of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Irving Magic Johnson. I mean, I, I, I've never seen, I mean, every sprint. I'll stand there practicing. He, he's winning sprint and winning sprint against the team, not the defensive line, the team. And his work ethic off the field, great husband, great father, great. I mean, he is everything you want in your franchise. Devontae was another guy that, you know, somebody's going to have to do something stupid. Now, I could see the Jets saying, we'll give you our first and 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 Q, the defensive tackle, Quentin Williams, we'll give you them for Devontae. If that's the case, I love Devontae. But you got to do what's best for the Raiders, and you get a first and Q, boom, deal, done. Take it. But it's got to be a stupid offer like that. You know, it'll take a first-rounder to get A.J. Cole or Daniel Carlson. Um, but there's, other than Max, there's no untouchables. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it should be no Devontae? I mean, I, Devontae wants to be here. He's not looking for a reason to leave. But if he had a chance to go to New York and the Raiders could pick up a first and queue, I mean, I, I don't know how you don't do that. But there's a lot of building blocks here. You got a Robert Spillane. You've got, um, you know, that defense is playing well. Your special teams is awesome. You've got a Josh Jacobs. You've got Devontae, Jacoby, Michael Mayer coming, Hunter. There's a lot of great pieces on this team. This is not a rebuild at all. And anyone who turns it into one or anyone that says it is, in my opinion, that is just fundamentally wrong. Your thoughts? Well, I agree with you on in terms of um, the trade uh, trade market. And I think obviously, you know, your Max Crosby's a guy. He's your best player. He's someone you build around. You build your team and your franchise around. Devonte Adams. I understand. Obviously, you want to keep him. I think the Jets are going to push. Very hard for him in the offseason, especially if Aaron Rodgers is back. He's playing because I think the Jets are going to be even more desperate than they were coming into this year, coming into next year, because they're going to go another year with no playoffs. Um, I think based on what's being reported and what seems it seems like the GM and head coach are safe. I think maybe Aaron Rodgers injury buys them another year, uh, but they're going to be under pressure going into next year. Uh, and even if they, even if one or both of them were gone, whoever replaces them is going to be stepping into a situation where they're going to want to win as soon as possible, considering the playoff drop the Jets had. So I can see the Jets making an offer that the Raiders can't refuse, whether it's a first rounder and a, a really good defensive player like a Quinn Williams. I, I think they prefer to keep him, but they might want to. They might give the Raiders just enough draft capital alone, or. If they don't give him Quinn Williams, they could give him draft capital and another good defensive player. There's a lot of good young defensive players on that Jets team uh, where the, the Raiders are have no choice but to turn it down. I mean, but to but to take it, not turn it down. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't trade a you know a Colton Miller who's a left tackle. I wouldn't trade um a guy like Robert Spillane, who you signed for a couple of years to be one of the key figures in their defense. Josh Jacobs' situation, obviously they have to figure out what they're doing with him long-term. 
But I think that you see that there's a lot of pieces that are still going to be here next year. And whoever the head coach and GM are, they're going to try to augment that roster with additions in the offseason and build on whatever, however this, this year ends. I agree with you, but here's my point. And if I don't believe Champ Kelly would say this, so I'm not pointing at Champ. But if, if he did, if Champ Kelly got the job, or if if Mark goes in a different direction, hires a different GM, if Mark or whoever the GM says this is a rebuild or they treat it like one, that is football malpractice. There are some holes that need to be filled. But this is not a rebuild in the least bit. And anyone that says it is, is covering their incompetence because that's not what this roster is. And I know that's a very strong statement, but I stand by it. That's, I mean, when you look at Dylan Parham's a bright young offensive lineman who's coming. You look at Colton uh, Miller, who is one of the best left tackles in all of the game of football. You look at Patrick Graham and his merry band of misfits and what he's doing on defense. Just don't touch it. Leave it alone. Add to it. Add pieces to it, but don't mess with it. You know, when you look at the receiving core and you look at Josh Jacobs, when you look at the tight ends, I mean, there are so many weapons. Yep. Go, at, go, you know, grab some linemen on both sides of the ball. Do some little bit of adjustments. But, dear God, this is not – it is, it again, football malpractice. If anyone treats this like a rebuild – or calls it one. That's just buying time, and it's horse crap, and I'll call it out. All right, I want to move to Josh Jacobs. I believe with the way he's played this year, now, I don't want to be a revisionist, and I'll take full accountability for what I said. I would not have given Josh the fifth-year extension because up to then, he had not shown the ability to stay healthy. And I said you know what? Let him play out year four and let him show you his health. And then you go to a deal. They did. He was phenomenal. He comes into camp. Well, at the end of camp, he's been really good this year. If I'm the Raiders, I go to Josh Jacobs and I believe this deal would fly and say, listen, we're going to give you a two-year deal right now, or we'll even give you a three-year deal. But here are the numbers you got to hit in year one and two to guarantee year three. And I don't think they need to be Difficult numbers. Just put 1,000 yards. But if in year one and two you get 1,000 yards, it, it automatically extends in year three. Year one of the extension, 12 million. If you get certain incentives, year two is goes from it, – it's a 12-year deal automatically, two years, 12 million guarantee. With extensions – I mean, with incentives both years, it can get it to 14. And if you hit – thousand in year one and two year 13 is fully guaranteed for 14 million i think that's a fair deal i think it protects them against a quarter I mean, a running back falling off and the deal's done you don't have to worry about it you got the you know one of the best running backs in the nfl locked up what do you think of that deal i think that you know the way that he's played this year the way he's showed up carried the ball uh, and answered the bell on a contract year especially where there was a little bit of you know, acrimony maybe coming into the year about uh, not getting a long-term deal it does say a lot about Josh Jacobs. I think the Raiders would want to build around him. I think it's a similar situation to what the Giants are dealing with out here with Saquon Barkley, um, where their running backs drafted 
uh, well, uh, Jacobs was actually drafted a year after Barkley, but you know they they were they played out this year on the one year contracts, and they don't have any long term deals. So I, I think if I I think that's a, a, a smart structure. I think it's something that doesn't tie you in too long term if you're the Raiders, where you're really regretting giving a four or five year deal to a running back who's going to be around 30, 31 or around when it's over and you're then you look foolish when you have to eat a lot of dead money. I think the structure is sound. And I think that Josh Jacobs seems like he might be amenable to that, you know, depending on how he feels about, you know, the Raider organization. And I also think that if I'm the Raiders and I go to him with that, he doesn't take it or is willing to test the free agent market. I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing in the world. I think you still have to be careful with how you pay running backs in the NFL, even ones as productive uh, and reliable as a Josh Jacobs. Yep. And again, I, I, I'm I'm very impressed with him. I've always liked him. I liked him going back to Alabama because, as you know, my relationship with, with, with Alabama and some of the coaches and stuff. But I always liked him. But – there's there's a real maturity in him now. You know, he was a kid, and you and, and sometimes we forget, fans forget, because they don't know the guys personally. They see the helmet, the warrior, but sometimes they forget these are kids, and he's really matured. I'm I'm really proud of of what he's become as a man. Just he's really growing up. He's a good kid. All right, moving on now. I want to talk to you about Patrick Graham. He is given. The, the, the Raiders have spent over $100 million on this offense, $60 million on the defense. Ridiculous. And he has just made chicken sandwich out of chicken excrement. And, and he has done tremendously well. Um, I took a ton of grief last year in the offseason, as you know, because we talked about it, because I supported him and said, listen, I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. I think he's going to be fine. He has done an amazing job. I don't think he's getting the respect nationally that he deserves with fans, but I know around the league he is. He's going to – I was talking to an executive yesterday, by the way, who is the one that said to me about the deal for Josh. I thought – it wasn't yesterday. It was a couple days ago, but – I thought that was a great idea. But anyways, he said to me, because uh, I said to him, why do you think Patrick Graham isn't getting more respect? He goes, he isn't from the fans. And he may not be from a lot in the media, but everybody in the NFL sees what he's doing. And he goes, if he was on a better team, he'd be getting a lot more praise. This guy, I think, deserves more respect on his name. What do you think of the job Patrick Graham's doing? Well, I was able to watch him out here for two years as a defensive coordinator of the Giants. He kind of did your team, a, yes, a similar job. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator with a, for a defense that had some pieces, but wasn't outrageously talented. Didn't have a Max Crosby or you know a game record like that, and he was able to keep them in games. The defense was the better unit, the best of the two offense a defense both years. The offense was poor and he was able to keep them in games and, and pull off an upset or two excuse me because of the way he was able to maximize the defense now I, I know his style sometimes well at least with the Giants sometimes he was a little more bend but don't break 
you let up some yards, you let up some 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 first downs, but then you buckle down and you know only surrender a field goal or only do this, only do that. It's not necessarily you know an old school attacking defense. At least was in New York. I don't know what it's like out in, in Vegas, um, but he's able to adjust to his personnel and, and always put a competent unit out on the field. And I think that that says something when you have your defense continuing to play well, continuing to play hard when the offense is just struggling and you're not scoring a lot of points and you know that there's a fine line because one bad possession or, or one or two mistakes and you can put yourself in a hole that you can't dig out of. So I think that the job he's done at Vegas is really commendable. And I'm interested to see if he gets any interest on the head coaching market this offseason. He's had opportunities to interview in the past. Uh, it'd be nice to see if he gets some more coming up. Yeah, to me, he has been so good. He's so talented. He's so smart. Um, Yale guy, right? What a mate. I'm sorry? Yale guy, right? Patrick Graham? Yeah, yeah. And you, you can't, even in a press conference, just the way he answers things. I've told people before, like, oh, I, I've told people before, wow, that was a great press conference. They're like, well, he didn't say anything. Hmm. You got to listen to how he says stuff. He's so smart. I, I, I've been accused, which you know because you've probably accused me of it. I'm very analytical. And uh, so I listen. And, you know, there are some people you don't listen to anything they say. Some people you listen to what they don't say. And then some people you listen to how they say what they say. And I just, I think he's done a tremendous job. All right. Let's turn our attention now. You ready? Big game this weekend. I think the Raiders win it. I think it's going to be a great football game. I think the Raiders got the bye week at the best time. So here we go. Matt Holadic from the spun.com. What say you? I think we got a tight game. I got a 2017 final. I think the Vikings win. I think they find a way to squeak this out and stay in the NFC playoff hunt. I got the Raiders finishing eight and nine down on the season. So that'll give you a hint. I have them winning next week. We'll get to the score prediction when it, game gets here on uh, Thursday night. Um, but I do have them losing this game. I think that, you know, that's not a, not knocking them at all. I think it's going to be a, a tight game. I think the Vikings pull it out. All right, so I'm going to say this. If the Raiders win Sunday, and I think they're going to, they win Thursday against the Bolts. If they don't win Sunday, That's going to be a tough game against the Bolts. Yeah, I think I actually. It's funny. I'm saying the. I'm saying I think they lose Sunday, but win Thursday. I just. I think as much as talented as that Chargers team is, I, I just don't trust them on the road. I don't trust Brandon Staley. I, I just. You don't I, trust I, Brandon Staley at all. That's the whole the, thing. I think the Raiders win that win that game. So I listen. If the Raiders win Sunday, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm picking 2017 Vikings, but. A Raider win would stun me, but I do think, uh, and I'll spoil my pick for next week, I think they win on Thursday night against the Chargers. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. By the way, uh, your thoughts on my deep dive article, the biggest disagreements on uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. I know you enjoyed it. I just want your thoughts. Boy, that went viral, didn't it? It did. It blew up a lot uh, within Raider, Raider fans and the NFL media world and, and all over the place. And I thought it was really fascinating to take a look at. And I think that we touched on this last week um, 
whoever is hired as the GM, whether it's Champ Kelly or somebody outside comes in, I think that they have to have the final say. The coach, coaches, head coaches need to have input. There needs to be some collaborative effort without a, without question. Um, you know, and there's obviously going to be occasional disagreements between GM and head coach. There's there's no one's going to be lockstep with somebody 100 percent of the time. But I think that there has to be that the G the head coach cannot wield ultimate power over the GM in this situation uh, because I think it just it really it can be tough to maintain excellence and tough to to make the right decision consistently with that structure. Totally agree. And by the way, you're going to appreciate this. It was funny to me how the national media, many of them came out, yeah, this, this is a great article. I knew this or I knew that. A lot of it is stuff I had told you privately as the season went on in, uh, in the offseason. But my critics, if they hated that article, my next one is going to really rock. And it's going to be with somebody on the record, not just sources who I have to protect anonymity. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited about that one. I can hardly stand it. <laughs> Listen, from all of us here at Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, Merry Christmas to you. We're part of the Fans First Sports Network. Now, for those of you that don't know, on our audio platform, which is where I do my podcast, this podcast that you watch every day, if you just want the audio, you can catch it at Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast. I also do a second podcast every day that's only audio only for five or ten minutes. Just a quick nuggets of things I'm hearing maybe aren't big enough for shows. You can check that out on Spotify or Apple or wherever you go get your podcast. But for all to all of you, Merry Christmas to my dear friend. I love him dearly. The great Matt Hiletic. Matt, it's always good to be on and talk Raider ball with you. Always a pleasure, and I'm uh, looking forward to talking to you in a few days and checking in before that Thursday night game. All right, hang on a second. I want to talk to you off camera and share something with you about my next article. We appreciate you all. Have a great day, everybody. Merry Christmas. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa.